Hi, welcome to a new episode of DE Editor's Chat. I'm Kenneth Wong. I'm Senior Editor for DE, and I'm here with Brian. Brian, self-introduction again, please. Hi, this is Brian Albright. I'm the Editorial Director at Digital Engineering. Welcome back. Uh, Kenneth, uh, I know there's been a lot going on uh, this past month and a lot of news just in the past couple of weeks. You've got uh, something you've been working on uh, in the additive manufacturing space. I recently recorded a podcast with the CEO of a 3D printing company called Velo3D. And the reason we wanted to reach out to them and recorded a podcast and have his thoughts on record is because this month, Velo3D is going public. It's under the stock sign VLD in New York Stock Exchange. Now, uh, Benny is saying that there is no strategy change. This is just uh, a culmination of years of hard work for the company. This company is kind of interesting because this company champions what it describes as support-free technology. Normally, if you print in metal, of course, you have to print some sort of support structure that needs to be dissolved or broken away. But they have a very unique method where the printed part can simply be lifted off a powder bed without having to break off anything. So, of course, that removes a lot of the uh, post-processing yeah, we've seen a number of companies in this space going public. Uh, I know Desktop Metal is one. Right. And also, let's not forget Mark Forged. Mark Forged also went public as well. So it seems like there is a lot of interest in 3D printing company, particularly 3D printing companies that have the capacity to print in metal. Um, there is a lot of investment activities around that. Uh, uh, we're not investment experts, so of course we're not going to be giving anybody any kind of stock uh, advice on that. But we know there's a trend, obviously. There's a trend that um, these companies have become strong enough so that they are no longer unique um, startup serving niche markets, but they have become robust enough to become publicly tradable entities. Right, and, and probably points a little bit to you know an inflection point that some of these companies in the industry as a whole is at where it's really being recognized as a, a viable approach for actual end-use manufacturing. We're seeing more adoption among end-users. I think you know the market's probably recognizing that, and, and to expand, these guys are going to need you know, this type, these type of funding activities to go on. And uh, there is always, of course, a, a kind of like a battle or a, a struggle between companies that produces hardware that are for consumer level, so it's a lot less expensive and it's easy to set up, and companies that target the professional kind of market. Uh, uh, we see the same kind of situation with, for example, headset makers in the AR, VR space. Right, and that, that brings us to another podcast you just recorded, right? But that's right. Uh, we I also recently recorded a podcast with DJ Smith, co-founder and chief creative officer of the Glimpse Group. DJ Smith's idea is that uh, solutions, it focuses on training solutions and uh, uh, remote expert kind of applications. And in these kind of um, applications, um, some cases like automotive obviously require high, really high degree kind of uh, surface finishes that are accurately depicted in your mm. headset. So you do require $4,000, $5,000 headsets like Vario, for example, or HoloLens 2. 
But in many use cases where you're simply trying to test out the functions on the look and feel um, of a digital product, you may be able to get away with consumer-level solutions. So there, there is an ongoing debate, I think, that we need to continue to have about um, where, um, the role that consumer devices will play in enterprise adoptions of these kind of uh, cutting-edge hardware. You recently went to your uh, first trade show after a long period of not traveling anywhere. Uh, can we hear your experience? That's right. I had not taken uh, a trip to an industry event since February of 2020. Uh, so, and the first one I had a chance to go to was Rapid and TCT in Chicago in September. Um, at McCormick Place, and it was very, it was, it was nice to be at an in-person show. It was a bit strange. It was a very well-attended show. Uh, it was co-located with FabTech, which is a robotics show. Uh, very good traffic. You know, pretty pretty crowded show floor. Um, Chicago has a, a indoor mask mandate, so it was a very safe and masked show floor. But uh, it was, you know, nice to see that they had a lot of attendance, and, and with 3D printing in particular. That's an industry that really missed in-person events because it's almost uh, required, really, for them to sort of discuss and show off their technology. If you're talking about a software show, a lot of those folks are still doing virtual events right now. But the 3D printing folks, they really need to be in front of people. And uh, there was a lot of hardware to see there. Uh, you know, there was a lot of large format printing uh, demonstrations going on. We had LSAM and Massivit. Uh, Big Rep was there. We also had very small printing, the micro-scale printing from Nanofabrica, BMF, companies like that, uh, and quite a lot of folks with post-processing equipment, which is a, a piece of the, the additive manufacturing process we don't necessarily think of or talk about a lot, but I saw quite a number of vendors there with post-processing solutions, washing systems or uh, you know finishing and polishing systems, those types of things, material removal, material recycling. Uh, all these are, are you know, a part of, if you're going to implement additive, that's something you have to think about. One of the, the key things I kind of brought from the conference was from the keynote. They had uh, Melissa Orme of Boeing did the keynote, and she not only talked about what Boeing's doing in additive, but she also had this, this message about implementing additive. And what she said basically was, if you are implementing additive, but you still are maintaining for whatever part or, or product or project it is that you have this traditional manufacturing fallback as a plan B, uh, then you're probably doing it wrong and that you sort of have sort of tied your own hands by yoking the design to still having that possibility of machining or injection molding or whatever it is. Uh, and that to really take advantage of additive, you need to optimize the whole product, not just a particular part. So you need, need to go back from the ground up and really redesign for additive, and that's going to give you a, a better a better and clearer business case if you take that approach rather than simply trying to replace a like part for a like part just using a different manufacturing process. There is a, a lot of talk, and certainly the uh, 3D system, 3D printing systems makers champion the idea that additive 
in general is much more environment friendly and sustainable because instead of cutting away material from a block of a standard piece of material they're only using what you you're only using what you need to build things from the ground up is there any discussions about i wonder sustainability of 3d printing and additive there was, and that's becoming a much bigger topic. Uh, there's a trade association now, the Green Additive Manufacturing Trade Association, and, and a lot of the big manufacturers are part of that. Uh, they had, a, they were at the show, and they had a nice panel discussion about that and about. There's always this idea that additive is somehow inherently more sustainable in some ways, but no one's really measured that. And in some ways, it may not be. I mean, there are some applications where. Uh, you know, additive is probably the less efficient approach, depending on what you're doing. Uh, but what they have announced the show was that they are launching uh, their first life cycle assessment study. And what they're going to do is they're going to take a particular product from an actual, you know, end-user company and compare the same product made for, via additive versus a traditional manufacturing process. And they're going to look at see how they stack up against each other in terms of material usage, in terms of energy usage during production and end of life, disposal, recyclability. Uh, and they're also going to be measuring, and they've got a few of these planned, they're going to be looking at not only a part that's been, you know, like a like part done differently, traditional versus additive, they're also going to have a third element where they can pair a part that's been optimized for additive versus an original part done via additive and traditional. So they're going to be looking at this from a couple of different ways and, and uh, you know, really looking at is additive more sustainable? And if you redesign the part to be more optimized for additive, does that change the sustainability discussion? So they expect some of the initial results of that in spring, and I'm really looking, I'm going to be interested to see what they're, what they find. Um, and so it was a very good show overall, a lot of good material there. Uh, I don't know that I'll be going back to another in-person show. Uh, the, the other bit of travel we had sort of tentatively planned this year was the Napoms World Congress in Austria, and that has been shifted to a virtual event. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to be interested to watch over the winter to see if any of the folks who had sort of tentatively planned to have in-person events, if they switch those back to virtual you know, again, uh, because Napoms had really made a big to-do about being back in person. They had to roll it back because of the travel restrictions and some of the uh, the changes in the, the COVID infection rates in different parts of the globe. So with the Delta variant, and now a lot of the um, shows that were targeted for in-person events are going virtual. NAFEM is one of them. We also have our own conference, uh, DE, Design and Simulation Summit. But of course, that has always been conceived as a virtual show, and that's taking place uh, That's taking place in a few weeks. By the time you hear this podcast, it may already be in progress. That's true. October 7th, uh, Design and Simulation Summit. If you aren't listening to this until after the show has happened, you can still access the sessions online. But uh, we're very excited about it. We've got... Uh, it's a half-day show. We're going to have a nice keynote session on putting digital twins to work. We're going to be looking at generative design with uh, some of the folks involved in the Assess Initiative. Uh, we're going to have our one of our longtime contributors, Tony Abbey, is going to be on hand to talk about uh, finite element analysis. Another of our longtime contributors, David Cohn, is going to be talking about some of the trends in engineering workstations and have some tips for evaluating new workstations and what 
you know, what decision points you have to make as a part of that process. And we're going to be looking at designing for additive manufacturing uh, with Mark Barfoot, uh, who works with EWI and has also been involved in the additive manufacturers users group, uh, AMUG. Uh, and, and Kenneth, I know you're going to be there too. If folks listening to this podcast, you get to hear Kenneth again because he's going to be moderating uh, these panels and these discussions. Yes, uh, the keynote is particularly interesting. I'm looking forward to it because the other sessions are uh, the other sessions are recorded, of course. So uh, we have already done most of the recordings, but the keynote is live, and the keynote is where we will hear a researcher, a researcher that focuses on the intersection of uh, mathematics and machine learning and technology uh, like CAT and simulation. So he will talk about how all those three things converge to bring you a very good, reliable, trustworthy uh, digital twin model. So I'm looking forward to moderating, the, moderating that one as well. Um, and of course, I will. Uh, in fact, I will also be moderating a panel in a live uh, or conference that focuses on um, augmented uh, reality stuff, and that's taking place in that's taking place in November, and it'll be in Santa Clara. Um, but we cannot, of course, um, close out our chat without acknowledging the fact that um, this is October, so this is when a lot of the people will be going out in costume. I I, I don't know if of uh, how practical it is to be going out trick or treating this. Um, this year in costume. Brian, you and your family planning to do that with your kids? Uh, yes, we're probably going to be going out. Uh, my neighborhood's going to have sort of a limited trick-or-treat, and everyone's in masks anyway, so uh, hopefully that will go okay. Uh, do you have any big plans for Halloween, Kenneth? I don't have a lot of big plans. Um, the normal big celebration that tends to take place in San Francisco are probably not happening because the city officials don't want to encourage group gathering. But I thought it would be fun, considering the fact that it's Halloween and our engineering um, audience tend to do creative things with their software. We have seen in the past, for example, uh, simulation analysis of what happened if you attack a zombie with a particular type of launcher or catapult and things like that. <laughs> so <laughs> if uh, any of you who are listening out there happen to be doing that kind of um, simulation exercise or cat design of a quirky defense system that will protect you from a zombie invasion, for example, or if you're trying to analyze the airflow of a vampire that is trying to take off from the rooftop of your neighborhood building, something like that, then we'd like to see them so that we can feature them and uh, we can maybe talk about them in our next editor's webcast. So if you have any of those, send them our way, please. Yes, yes. Please reach out to us uh, via our website, digitalengineering247.com. And uh, you can also register for the Design and Simulation Summit by going to digitalengineering247.com backslash summit21. Or you can just go to the homepage and there's a link there too. If it might be easier to find. Very good. I think we can wrap up with that. Uh, thank you very much, Brian. I wish you and your family have a wonderful Halloween uh, holiday break. Thank you, Kenneth. Okay. <laughs> Talk to you again next time. Bye-bye. Goodbye.